It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. We are live. It is Carcoon Carney. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the working week. I'm James Van Ossel. A couple quick announcements before we begin tonight, uh, kick off tonight's interview. Uh, first off, here I am. I, I'm on Zoom. I'm at home. Uh, this is, I think, the way of at least the next couple of weeks. I think for the the comfort levels of my guests, the safety of my guests and everything is, is Delta as being the motherfucker it is. Uh, I'm going to do these from home for the time being, hopefully to return to the car sooner than later. Another announcement worth making. Uh, I'm launching a second podcast next month. It's something that will complement Caracon Carney, something that is very Chicago specific. Uh, for more information before the formal launch, we'll, we'll soft launch it in a couple of weeks. You can go to carconcarne.com. It's something I'm super excited about. Another podcast coming up because I, I needed stuff to do in my free time. So tonight, my guest, he is, well, he is a local black metal monster. He is Luca Simarusti, he is, for all intents and purposes, a nihilist. Nice to see you tonight. I see you too. Thanks for yeah. having me. One of the great taboos in interviews, one of the things you don't do, one of the things that rookies only do in an interview is ask an artist about where they got their name. I grew up on comic books. I grew up on Marvel comic books. I grew up you know, celebrating the negative zone in Fantastic Four. A nihilist is based on the, the negative zone supervillain from the Fantastic Four, right? It is. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I felt an immediate kin kinship with you. Yeah, it, uh, it, you know, it seemed like a, a good route to go trying to, you know, stir up something evil and dark uh, for a project like this. And I'm a, I'm a head in that aspect. So, so I went with it. So the new Annihilist release is follow a song from the sky. Is this an example of the art that came out of sheltering in place? Was this the direct result of, the COVID lockdown? Yeah, this is a project I'd been doing before COVID lockdown, but this album was written, recorded, mixed, put together. Everything on this album was done during uh, quarantine. Because I mean, less than a year, it was less than a year ago, right? You put out uh, Ganema? Yeah, yeah. That, that came out, uh, that was like kind of halfway a COVID project too, actually, which is crazy to think about how long this has been yes. going on. Yes. <laughs> That I've uh, that I've with this project had two records come out still during it, uh, but that one was written mostly and mostly recorded before things got weird before lockdown, and then I like mixed it and did everything involving the release for that during quarantine and COVID, and then this new record was entirely done, you know, under lockdown more or less. So the, this is the sound of a, of a man trapped inside. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so Annihilus really is you. you. You've been a band member for throughout your musical career. How important was it for you to find your way as a solo creator and, and build this for yourself? It was very important. It was a, a strange thing for me because most of my time playing in bands, I've been uh, a drummer. And going from a drummer to someone who does everything on record is a pretty big uh, leap. But it was, uh, it was very exciting and extremely satisfying in a lot of ways to figure that out for myself, you know, going from one 
end of the spectrum creatively to like the entire spectrum. So it's been like a really cool thing to explore, a really cool thing to learn to do and figure out. It's, it, it's, been a, it's been a really good journey, I think, for myself. As the world is kind of opening back up, but it's closing back down, things are just weird. Uh, but as the opportunities in theory exist to perform play live, is this something that you want to keep as a studio project, just keep for yourself? Is this something you want to add bodies to for a live performance? I think I, the idea of making it live has been talked about between me and friends and, you know, other, uh, other people who have interviewed me and, uh, you know, the people who have put the records out and it's something that I've always considered, but it's not like top of the list of priorities. Um, if something really, really cool came along that I think would be a good platform to, you know, express this live, I suppose I could look into making it happen, but there's something in making records this way by yourself and like, you know, thinking about the entire thing, top to bottom, like, the visual aspect, the, the feel, the mood, not just the songs themselves that kind of lends itself to only being a recorded product. Uh, you know, being able to sit down with a record like this, I think, and realize, you know, where it came from, who did it all, looking at the artwork. It, it's almost more, uh, more powerful in that like bubble than it is on a stage, I think. I get that. Let's talk about the feel and the mood that you referenced. Uh, the title track is one of my favorite things on Follow a Song from the Sky. It's kind of hypnotic, kind of psychedelic in its own yeah. way. Yeah, it kind of is. That's the uh, That song is like the mood of that song. I have to like give a lot of credit to like two collaborators because I kind of just, I, I wrote it and I laid down like the very simple, basic like rhythm, the droney part. But like the lyrics and the vocals and the, the like outer space guitar part were done by a couple of friends of mine. Uh, Brian Case from Facts and Disappears did the vocals and Trevor DeBroff from Pelican did the lead guitar part. And they really elevated it to something that I would have myself never have been able to do. So uh, I think that's, that song's really, really cool. And I'm really proud to like kind of have put together almost like a special little band for that one. Uh, you've got, you've yeah. got some cool friends. <laughs> I guess I do. <laughs> to, to kick this off uh, the grand illusion i think really sets the table for who you are and what this moment in time is mm -hmm. yeah that, that, that that's just that just roars out of the gate yeah it's uh yeah that's uh setting the setting the mood i guess and then uh I, i'm not sure the pronunciation the voice of shy halud yeah that's uh, uh that's, that's just that's just epic stuff it's well it that's uh a Shai Halud are the sandworms from Dune. So there it is. Okay. <laughs> so, there. so yeah, the, there was a, uh, I kind of knew for a song that that song is pretty important to the making of this record too. It's the first one I wrote for this record. And uh, I realized as I was putting it together, that it was kind of a step in a different direction from the last record. And I kind of knew that if they, that if I was going to make another record and this was the new song for it, that I had to like, stay that course, keep everything bigger. And like you said, even more epic in a sense than what I had done before. Le a little less punk, even, you know, the last record's pretty punk. This one's a little bit more uh, refined in a way. I am one of those guys. I never quite got Dune, but I saw Dune when I was really young. And it's one of those movies I keep telling myself I should try to revisit at some point. I just remember, I, I can't, I saw it when I was really young. 
it just seems so dense and, and kind of dull to my young senses. But I know that people who love it write songs about it. <laughs> yeah, the movie's like fun. It's like a cult classic for a reason. The, the book is like where it's at. And this new movie looks really great too, actually. But the reading the book and going into the, the David Lynch movie, it's, it's a, an interesting thing. Like I couldn't imagine watching that movie, especially as a kid and not having read the book. Uh, I think this new one will probably be a little bit easier to understand. And then I said, one of my best vinyl scores of the past six months was the Zune, the, the Zune, the, <laughs> the Dune soundtrack on vinyl, the, the Toto soundtrack. Yeah. Isn't like Toto and like Brian Eno, like yes. meeting of the minds. It's one of those things that if you weren't already aware, sounds utterly improbable. Like there's, yeah. there's no way that that collaboration ever existed. Uh, Chicago traditionally, I mean, I, I came up in Chicago in the 1990s and metal was always kind of like blocked out of the city clubs, the North side clubs. It seems like metal has settled in and found its place in the city. I think so. Yeah. And uh, a lot of like good metal bands kind of interact with, non-metal bands too which mm -hmm. is nice you know it seems like a solid moment mm -hmm. i think so yeah i mean it was a solid moment before like things stopped happening but i think maybe there'll be an another solid moment happening yes, now exactly uh so the album the, the the new release follow a song from the sky it's on Bandcamp. it's also on cool vinyl i mentioned vinyl mm -hmm. i mean Based on the, the, the little I know about you personally, the fact that you, you read comic books, you like Dune, uh, I'm guessing that you think it's pretty badass that it's on vinyl and that you can have a cool orange record. Yeah, there's orange and there's like a black and clear smoke thing too. Uh, so two colors of vinyl. And I'm a nerd for that kind of shit. Like, so colored vinyls. Every time I have a record come out on color vinyl, it's very exciting to me. Every time I buy a record, I pull it out and it's just black. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a total sucker for, for that sort of thing. Total. Like I, I just bought uh, for record store day, one of the record store days, I bought the oceans 11 soundtrack and because it's a Vegas themed movie, the colored vinyl looks like a poker chip. Oh, it's like which, a picture disc. Yeah. That's well, fun. not even like, it, it's just the, the colors are made to look like a poker chip. Okay. It, genius. So yeah, I, I'm yeah. an absolute sucker for that stuff too. Yeah. yeah that, that, and like, it's it's it was all thought about too, like the the orange contrast the cover, whereas like the other one kind of like blends in with it. It's it's that's that's where my head's at with the stuff often. For the people who watch this podcast, who, who listen to this podcast, I, this isn't a, a metal specific podcast, and I think sometimes the genres, the subgenres of metal, can be overwhelming and confusing to people who just don't know. Mm -hmm. Explain black metal. Uh, like sonically, culturally, both. Oh, yeah. let's let's stick with sonically for now. Culturally gets gets us down a rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Uh, sonically, it's uh, you know characterized by more trebly, shrill, unsettling notes rather than like deep, booming notes like you know like Sabbath or you know something driving and fast and tense like Slayer. It's uh, it's more about a wall of sound, more about in like a dark unsettling mood a lot of dissonance the vocals are kind of in the back and shrill uh almost like a almost like a like a not like inhuman in a way you know it's less of a, an aggressive vocal attack and more of like a uh you know 
<laughs> like tortured soul of sorts. Uh, so it's more about uh, creating a, a like a, a mood, a mm -hmm. dark mood than it is about creating like a aggressive, uh, like ass kicker experience. So two releases in less than a year, where, where does that leave us for the future? Are you already like hammering thoughts out into instrumental form? I am actually. Yeah. The, I, after I finished the record, which was in January or February, I kind of just like took a break from thinking about creating. And then once the, once I got like the test presses and things like we're rolling with this record, uh, like inspiration kind of kicked in again. So I have a handful of songs that I've, I've been writing, uh, a few things that I have like demoed on GarageBand. So things are coming together for more music now. You've definitely found your groove. This is it. And it's your show. I mean, this is, this is, this is all you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, a thing you mentioned playing live, like I don't have touring obligations, so I don't have to, you know, I don't have to fall into a, like a typical record tour cycle. I can kind of just do what I want. And it's, uh, it's fun and nice. Being able to do music on your entirely your own terms, that's kind of a gift. Yeah, it's nice, you know, and I can I can scratch my uh, itch as far as like playing live and, you know, a more traditional sense of releasing and creating music. I play in a band and so that's the thing I can do and keep that separate from this. And yeah, I, have, I get my bases covered, I guess. I love it. OK, follow a song from the sky is available on Bandcamp. As mentioned, uh, you can own this album. You can have it and hold it and uh, piss off the neighbors with it. Follow a song from the sky. Go to Bandcamp for that. Uh, you are Luca. You are a nihilist. Can I ask you to stay right there? Yes, absolutely. All right. You stay right there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, thank you for doing that. If you're listening, thanks for doing that too. Uh, this is Carquin Carney. That right there, that's a nihilist. <laughs>